FM, the Ear Glue Media Network. You're listening to Bad Gamers Anonymous, a podcast dedicated to helping gamers not suck. Our two-step programs of Sack Up and Get Good will help even the worst of gamers just be bad. We review the latest video game titles, cover the latest news, and discuss issues that affect gamers. Here are your hosts of Bad Gamers Anonymous, Bad Gamer Jason, and Bad Gamer Joe. Get good, scrubs. Welcome to Bad Gamers Anonymous. This is episode 89. I am Joe and joining me as always is Jason. Jason, how's it going? It's going good, and you? Not too bad, not too bad. Enjoying some beautiful weather this weekend. It's finally nice to get away from the rain. Oh, uh, it has been beautiful here too. Yeah. I feel like it was overdue. We've had nothing but rain for the past like month and a half here, so it was very nice. So you guys are just about wrapped up with Firefly over there, huh? Yeah, so... Uh Serenity, our coverage of Serenity releases this week, and that will wrap up our Firefly coverage. So it feels uh, like the end of an era. <laughs> it is. It, I mean, we've been doing it for the last two months now, and yeah, it's it's going to be a little different stepping into something else. And what we're stepping into next uh, is is actually I'm going to give you a little sneak preview. Uh, we're going to step into Metropolis, which is basically the first full-feature sci-fi movie ever, uh, released in 1927. So it'll be, a, it'll be a drastic change from the modern era back to film's sci-fi roots. See, this is what happens when you listen to all the shows on Eerglue Media. You get a little sneak peeks, a little, little, a little sneak bonus. Peeks. A little bonus there. It's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be good. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've seen it once. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it's it's a little bit different of an experience because it's you know definitely in black and white. It's an older film, though the restoration was was pretty good. And it's been a while since I've seen it, but I don't think there's any dialogue. There's music, but I think it's it's right on that threshold between the silent film area and what they used to term talkies. Talkies. That's always been a fun term for me. Yeah, <laughs> I've always liked talkies. Uh, that's good, man. I'm I'm looking forward to listening to that. I think it'll be good. I might even check that one out. I feel like that's one I've heard mentioned quite a few times and never taken the time to to take in. Might be worth my time. Might be worth it. Yeah, it's 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 definitely worth watching uh, just for historical sci-fi purposes. But it's still really well done, especially for the technology that they had to do it at the time. So it's 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 a good movie. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, we have episode four out now for the film appraisers. One that originally you were gonna do, but we you got bumped. You I got know. Bumped. I'm I'm still kind of confused as to how that happened, but you got bumped and uh, we got Morgan in, and she did magical, mysterious, and mouthwatering. I still don't like to see mouthwatering, and <laughs> uh, we <laughs> we talked about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The original Will we Wonka the original, and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. None yes. of that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory crap with Johnny Depp. I didn't think that movie was crap. I thought the 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 new one was actually pretty good. I I still like the original better. Um but there there's some 
there's some stuff the new one does that the original didn't touch on that I think uh, is true to the story. So, but the original was good because you can't. Be- it's about as good as The Simpsons Tapped Out. It's fine. No, no, no. Simpsons Tapped Out is great, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, you you can't beat Gene Wilder. Yeah, Gene Wilder was definitely the the, the big separator for me. He's He's got so many movies that were just amazing works that I can't imagine trying to re- fill one of those roles after he had already done it. Impossible task. Yeah, for sure. Simply Stogie's got another new show out. Have not had a chance to listen to that one yet, but I'm sure it's a good listen. It's in my it's in my lot my list. It's in my playlist. I am just in a backlog now. Uh, yeah, it's but, in my queue. I think that released what yesterday or the day before. So yeah, it's a very I new. Hit it yet. Certified fresh or whatever the kids say these days. I think that's rotten tomatoes. Oh yeah, you're right. But fresh <laughs> is still a word. Yeah. <laughs> Starting to show your age there, Joe. I'm not that old. I'm kinda old. It happens. Uh so what have you been playing, dude? Um, like always, Simpsons tapped out. Uh play that every day. I've played AC Rebellion a little bit this week, but it's getting to where I touch that less and less, so it's probably at the end of its uh, run on my schedule. And this week, I've put in a lot of time with uh, Total War Three Kingdoms, which we'll review later. That's cool. Yeah, I am I hit the wall on Rebellion a couple of weeks ago. It's not that it's bad. It's just it doesn't bring me back in. And yeah. I didn't, I got to a point where I just didn't feel it like ever have like the hit to go back in. I just kind of forgot about it. Yep. I've kind of hit that wall with the Simpsons already. Although I still am popping in like maybe every other day and tapping a little bit, but definitely not daily. And I definitely don't see me sticking with it for very long. It's, <laughs> it's fine. You know, it's a, I feel like that game would be way better if. I was a bigger Simpsons fan. I think that plays a bigger role than you think it does. Well, and I think if you'd gotten in a little earlier in the game, too, because you're in, I mean, the game is well beyond maturity at this point. And so there's there's a ton of content out there, and the special events that they used to run aren't running nearly as often. So there's not a whole lot of onus right now, especially if you're if you've been in the game for a while, to hit it as often as as you once used to so yeah i i mean i can i can see you losing interest the simpsons fandom does play a, an important role i i will admit that um but the the events that they used to um to do about every well there used to only be like two maybe three weeks between events um that's that's actually expanded out to a month maybe two so yeah, I guess it's not it's not bad. It's just it's just not for me. I don't It also seems like there's more there than I want to engage with in a mobile game. Like I so I played some more idle games this week. I played Idle Hero Tower Defense. I like those idle games because most of the time I'm playing on my phone, I want it to be a 10 to 15 second I have a minute here, hop in, do a couple of quick things and go away kind of experience. Where I feel like there's so much, and maybe it's because I'm so early in the game too. Every time I pop in, there's like 30 things that pop up in The Simpsons. You got to build this. You got to give this guy a quest. You got to do this. There's dailies. It's yeah. more than I want to engage with in a mobile game. Yeah. 
I prefer my mobile games to be really super bite-sized experiences. I don't really want to sit on my phone and play for extended periods of time. But are you really playing a game at that point? I mean, an idle game, you go in, you touch a few things, you leave. Is that really playing a game or is that well, just kind of tapping on some stuff for a second it depend- or two? It depends on the idle game. So like this this tower defense game here is more of a tower defense game. You place your towers and you and you have to place them strategically. There are three kinds of towers. Uh, ranged melee and magic and there are enemies with weaknesses to that you've got to like sometimes you have to like pop a shield with magic in order to do damage but your best damage will be like a ranged character or something so you have to place magic here and there like so there's strategy involved in how you set up your defense and then you just you pop in you you upgrade your towers you cash in your quests or whatever happened to be spend your money and then leave. So it's not it's not like one of those just a menu game where you just click on buttons and watch the numbers go up, but it is still very much so idle. And that's kind of where the sweet spot is for me. There is something to do, there's something to there's some level of skill required in how you do it if you want to get very far. Uh, there are levels with progressive difficulty, but it also does not require you to sit down and play it for an hour at a time or 20 minutes at a time. It's it's still bite-sized. Okay. I also played a ton of Dead Cells, the Rise of the Giant expansion. Uh, it came out a little bit ago, and I hadn't gotten to it yet. Man, I forgot how much I loved that game. And this is a great expansion, free expansion, by the way, um, that they just put out for the game. And it's it's great. Uh, they added a bunch of new enemy types, some new skills, a bunch of new weapons, um, and then a couple more areas, a bunch of new bosses, and a couple new mechanics it's a really big expansion, especially for a free expansion to the game. And I know you're not a platformer, but man, I like platformers. And this game is one of the best feeling platformers I think I've ever played. Really fun. And with a free expansion, you cannot go wrong. Uh, I played all the way through. I beat two of the new two of the new bosses and beat the, made a run all the way through twice. Really good. But still a roguelike platformer. Yeah, but there's a lot more <laughs> to it than that. That's the thing is like, like you don't get to choose your weapons, right? Is roguelike in the way where you unlock things that are persistent, but the things you unlock are random drop chances throughout the game. You don't start with any of that. You start off the same every time. You have to figure out how to have a successful run with the weapons and abilities that you find. So you don't get to just make an optimal build and do the same run over and over and over you got to learn how to adapt with all different styles. And that's where the challenge and fun of this game comes in because like I prefer best build for me is two of the arrow traps that just like you throw them down and they just rapid fire arrows and you can just kind of jump around and avoid fire. It's super easy to plow through the game with those, but they don't come by very often. So I might end up with a run where all I have is a spear and a shield and a mediocre grenade and I've got to learn to work my way through the, all the different encounters, these randomly generated encounters, all over again with a new play style. The game feels different every time, and it's great. So much replayability. So not only are your weapon loadouts random, but your encounters are random too. So you've got this double randomity going. Yeah. The bosses are the same. <laughs> the boss levels are always the same, but getting there is different every time. It's super fun. It's it's a challenge. It requires a challenge, but I like to be challenged and 
Unlike you and Crowley, I did not get burnt out on platformers when they were big because I wasn't around when they were big. <laughs> so I've got that going for me. Uh, and I played. I started playing Warhammer Chaos Bane. Uh, we'll talk about that next week probably. That game is fun. I'll have a lot to say on that. But that's it. That's all I've played. So coming up very soon, E3. Uh, I'm excited for E3. There's a lot of stuff coming that I am looking forward to hearing about. And ahead of E3, EA announced their entire lineup for their during E3 EA Play stream. Those are going to be getting about a half an hour per game for the most part. And they're going to talk about Jedi Fallen Order, Apex Legends, Battlefield 5, FIFA 20, Madden NFL 20, and The Sims 4. Sims 4 is a five-year-old game. Right. And they're going to be talking about it. They're going to be talking about it. Did you notice what they're not going to be talking about? I did. Curiously enough, they're not talking about the game that they said was going to uh, just skyrocket into the stratosphere as far as um uh you know first person shooters that would be anthem they didn't they are anthem. not going to be talking about anthem to be a little bit fair to anthem they did say they were going to be having a stream i believe right before or right after the week before or the week after that'll be a short the state of anthem kind of stream so they're not ignoring it entirely and there is like some content patch coming out now very soon but scheduling that away from E3 tells me they don't want to talk about it on the big stage. Yeah, so I think the state of Anthem address is going to be it's in a state of decay. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. They keep saying they're going to stick with it, but this does not look like behavior that says, hey, we're going to stick with this. Well, add on top of that, the fact that they pulled you know a lot of their development team on Anthem to other projects, yeah, it... it starts to uh, paint a picture of Anthem going away sooner rather than later. Still one of my biggest disappointments so far this year in gaming because that mechanically had so much potential and they really threw that away. And it looks like they're going to walk away from it, which it honestly might be the best thing for them. I don't know if it's worth them sinking a bunch of time and effort into it. It's kind of already been killed. Uh, it's not very popular. I don't know that anything they do will bring that around. Um, I was kind of hoping this would have a Destiny-like trajectory where it came out and was not super well-received at first, and then a lot of patches and attention and insistence on, on bettering the product brought that around to being a pretty popular series. I think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to get anywhere near that this time. I think it was rushed to launch. Um, I think Apex Legends stole a lot of its thunder. Uh, well, yeah, did you I, see the story about what happened with that game with Anthem? prior to launch? I no, don't think we talked uh, about it. No, I don't think I did. This is all leaks. This is nothing official. But somebody, uh, sources that worked on the project reported to, and I don't remember which, which outlet it was. It might have been The Verge or GameSpot. It was somebody uh, a while back that they had like most of that game built and then like a less than a year out from release uh, they had a major strategy change and scrapped the whole thing and started over with the assets they had. Oh, that was a bad decision. And I think that shows. I think when you look at what that game is based and compared to what it was announced as, I think that checks out a lot. I think that makes a lot of sense. Good old EA. Good old EA. Speaking of launches, <laughs> Microsoft is bringing a Game Pass PC subscription. Looking forward I'm to it. 
I don't know how I feel about this. Why? Well, there's some there's there's some vagueness in this announcement. So let me be clear. I am a current Game Pass subscriber, and I love the service. I think this is a great thing. More games on PC on Game Pass is fantastic. Up until this point, I just have like the one Game Pass they have, and the games work on PC in the store. Yeah. So th- why it's, do it's we need vague. to separate? Why do we need to, why we need to have a separate service here? It's not a it's not a separate service. So well, so they announced they say down here that they will have information on pricing and stuff coming forward, which means it's not the same service that's available now. It'll be the same service, but there will be a couple different tiers. So you'll have the console um, and Xbox uh, Xbox first or Xbox published games uh, tier only, and then you'll also have uh, the Win32 bit uh, PC games as well. So what they're doing here, you can play Xbox games on the PC right now. Um, so Xbox published uh, games through Play Anywhere. You can play both on, on the Xbox and the PC. And those are available whenever they come out on Xbox Game Pass. What you can't do are play uh, PC games that are not built on Xbox's game platform or their game gaming programming uh, development platform through the Microsoft Store or the Xbox Game Pass. So what they're doing is they're expanding this out to Win32 program games. So it's going to be more of a uh, an offering kind of like uh, what Steam is doing. They're going to have these games available on the Microsoft Store. And then they'll also have uh, those games available on Game Pass. Some of them will be free. Some of them you'll get discounts on just like uh, just like on other gaming platform, g- gaming storefronts. So it's it's an expansion to their Xbox Game Pass. It's not a different Xbox Game Pass. It's just an, an, an additional tier. So if you've got Xbox Game Pass now, uh, and you want to get the expanded PC library, you'll pay a little bit more. Otherwise, you can just, you know, do what you have now. I think they need to consolidate a little bit. I'm all on board of this. I love the idea of getting more games for a monthly price instead of having to pay out every time. Uh, Totally on board of this. I am not against this service whatsoever, but I do think we now have multiple tiers of Xbox Live, and now we've got three separate tiers of Game Pass. You have like that Game Pass, Game Pass Ultimate, Game Pass PC. I just think they've got too much going on. I think they need to consolidate a little bit. Maybe roll Xbox Live into Game Pass permanently. I think they need to to look at how many offerings, how many different ways you can give them money on a monthly basis and cut that back a little. I think it's too much. Game Pass Ultimate. That is the thing that they released or announced a month ago that's uh, Game Pass and Xbox Live for the same price as if you buy oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's not... It's just too. It's just convoluted. It's just too much. Like, you even forgot about it. It's, it's, it's... I don't think they need to have seven different ways to pay them monthly. That's all. <laughs> I think they could probably come up with, like, three total different tiers, group them in, like, Game Pass without Xbox Live, or Xbox Live without Game Pass... Xbox Live with Game Pass for first party, Xbox Live with Game Pass for everything. Done. That's it. I don't think they I think those three, that's it. Well, and and 
That may be true, but I mean, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate is just live with Xbox Game Pass. They're just kind of consolidating those two and offering them as a single subscription instead of two separate subscriptions. Right, but that like that's the point. There's no need for that. There's no need to have that many tiers when they're redundant like that. It's 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 convoluted. It's too much. As you 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 start getting into a thing where you go onto their website to to sign up for whatever and you're just a kid or a casual gamer and you go to sign up and there's like an EA like schedule of tables to what you want to subscribe to. <laughs> I don't think that's be an necessary. Like schedule of tables. It's just what two options for Xbox Live and and three for Game Pass. Yeah, five. That's about exactly as many columns as they had for Anthem. I, yeah, but it, I mean, it's it's really not that complicated because there is some redundancy. So you would, it, it's it's more like three choices. Right. So cut out the two redundant choices. That's all I'm saying. It but I mean, if if you wanted yeah. those two separate, if you wanted to build them separately because you may want to cancel one and not the other later on, then that gives you that flexibility. Uh, I don't. I think. I think the Xbox Live thing needs to be addressed. I don't. We're at a point now where you can't do much with a lot of games that are coming out without Xbox Live anyway, because they're all online service multiplayer only games, and you can't play multiplayer without Xbox Live, and you get into all this stuff. I think it's time to just roll Xbox Live into this stuff and call it a day. Okay. We'll see where they go with it. <laughs> Speaking of convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> uh,. Somebody gave Hideo Kojima way too much leash and Death Stranding is coming and there was a trailer this week and it's the weirdest thing I've, I think I've ever watched. That's an understatement. So yeah, uh, there's a lot of like, this is a nine minute trailer of what starts out a little kind of convoluted and weird, but then it kind of, you know, mellows out. It looks like a mountain climbing simulator, 2020. And then just goes off the rails into crazy town. And and continues I, to get crazier the I, entire time. Yeah, I don't know what I watched. I'm not sure what this game is about. I saw a lot of weird, weird imagery. Um, some in utero uh, baby shots that I never thought I would see in a game. Uh, much less a game trailer. Um, yeah, it was just... Yeah, I don't know what I watched. If you need something to tell you the tone of this trailer and game, like a, a quick anecdote to give you an idea of what this looks like, there's a, I believe, $250 special edition, and it comes with a jar of fluid with a baby in it that's a, also a lamp. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot to say. This is the weirdest thing. I'm kind of mortified, but also super curious to see what this game is like when you play it. Like, I don't know what to expect of it. I don't know. This is this trailer was crazier than anything I ever saw in a Metal Gear game ever. Yeah, I mean, this is this makes Metal Gear look tame, and Metal Gear had some kind of weird bad guys and and circumstances that you would play through. I mean, there was Hideo Kojima. I don't think is kind of stable no not even a little bit some some of the some of the villains in this are die hardman and <laughs> dead man dead man. and Hartman, and there's a character named mama I, I think this is just gonna be the weirdest thing ever all it needs is mega man 
<laughs> I know, right? Although I don't think Mega Man would be too comfortable being part of this. No, no. He would probably run away crying. Also for E3 this year, this Marvel Avengers game that was announced two or three years ago and then never spoken of ever again is finally going to officially be there. Uh, I don't know what happened to it. They made had this big announcement trailer when they signed the, the deal with Marvel with Square. I signed the deal with Marvel. They had a, a trailer that they showed and they had talked about it on stage at E3 and then there was never a public mention of it again since then. But it's back. It's here. Yeah, and I still don't know what it's about. Uh, so some details leaked. It's going to be not very many details, a small number of details, but it sounds like it's going to be something along the lines of what we got with Spider-Man, but in a co-op play as the Avengers, either by yourself or as the Avengers kind of deal. Yeah, so there I, will be. I, I saw four-player co-op. I saw something about continuous gameplay, which I would hope there's continuous gameplay. I don't want the game just interrupted for no reason while I'm playing it. Um, but yeah, there's there's no details as to what type of of co-op game you're playing. I mean, is this like the old um, Marvel Ultimate series where it's kind of a, a top-down uh, 3D action adventure game? Is this uh, a third-person uh, kind of open world game that you get to play around with in, with your friends is this kind of like Div- divinity original sin i don't i mean there's there's all sorts of four player co-op games that you could do well we will find out at e3 i'm excited to see what it actually is i'm glad this is a thing i hope this is better than the last couple of things square has put out because the quiet man was the worst thing i've ever seen but hopefully this is good I'm excited to see what it is. I'm excited to see it get some attention at E3 and maybe have a better idea of when and what this is going to be. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind an an Avengers game. I'm kind of looking forward to an Avengers game. I just kind of want to know what I'm looking forward to. Well, we got about a week and a half, so don't hold your breath, but maybe be excited. (laughs) I will. I'm not excited about Pokemon Go uh, gamifying my dreams though. Yeah, this is weird. So the Pokemon company, not Nintendo, but the Pokemon company, uh, is got, is repurposing the Pokemon go or they've actually got a a new device called the Pokemon go plus that is specifically to collect sleep data. And you, you put it next to you on the, on your pillow while you sleep and it gamifies your sleeping and Pikachu comes and invades your dreams. This is really stupid. I don't know why this is a thing. It's a data collector. They're just yeah, collecting I mean, I get, data. I get that Pokemon Go is big and they're trying to like keep it fresh, keep things coming, keep content coming, keep accessories coming. I don't know why. I don't need to play Pokemon Go in my sleep. I don't need to play Pokemon Go, period. I played a little bit, but I dropped off real fast. It is still yeah. popular, though. I know, and and I played a little bit too. Um, it was it was fine to to play around with whenever I was on a walk, but yeah, it just it didn't capture my imagination very much, and it was really easy to drop off of it. Yes, it definitely was, and it it's it's one of those games that's filthy with in app purchases. Also, on that subject, uh, Google is now requiring Play Store app developers to disclose the odds of getting the items in loot boxes. 
So this is something that the Apple Store has, has already done. Um, but we're starting to see more companies jump on board with that, with that policy now. And I think that's because we're starting to see a lot more momentum than people thought. A lot more, a lot more politicians jumping on board with some of this anti loot box legislation. And I think developers and store holding companies are starting to get a little worried about it. Yeah, I still don't think it's due to legislation. I think it's more public outcry that these companies are are starting to do this. Um, also, I think they're trying to cover themselves in terms of liability. As long as they, you know, publish this stuff and make every effort to, you know, protect kids from buying loot boxes, uh, you know, without their parents' permission, um, as long as they have this information out there that kind of protects them from liability. Uh, when parents come back and, and, you know, demand that they, uh, give them their money back and then try to sue for damages. So I don't think it's necessarily all legislation based. They're trying no. to get out in front of this. And I think it's a little column A, a little column B. I mean, they did use some exact language from the proposed legislation in the, in the announcement talking about like predatory apps and targeting children and stuff like that. But I do think this is public outcry partnered with that kind of general push in that direction from a political position that just makes them feel better about trying to get ahead of this and maybe maybe kill some of that motivation on that front. Maybe. I think it's a little both. I definitely think it's a little both. Yeah. I, I still don't think that the bill that's going to ban the sales of loot boxes is going to go anywhere, but... We'll see. And on the subject of bills, it's time to pay them. You're listening to an Ear Glue Media podcast. For more thought-provoking content, we invite you to visit eargluemedia.com. All right. Now, on to the review. You played Total War Three Kingdoms, and I didn't. So tell me about it. Okay. Uh, so uh, just a brief overview. Total War Three Kingdoms, uh, created by... Creative Assembly, uh, which is, you know, their bread and butter to the Total War series is what they've been doing for, you know, decades now. Uh, published by Sega, which has published uh, many of the last Creative Assembly games. Uh, released May 3rd, so a little over a week ago, about a week and a half. It's available on Windows, Mac, and Linux. And it's a turn-based strategy with uh, real-time battle tactics, just like all of the, uh, all the rest of their Total War games. So, it's definitely a, a new offering in the the same kind of mechanical family that all the other Total War games are in, uh, but they did a really good job with this. So this is probably in my top five. It was in my top three for a while. There's been some issues that I've come across in the game that's kind of knocked it down out of my out of my top three. But it's still definitely in my top five. Uh, still definitely worth playing. So. The story takes place. This is not a, a, a sequel um, or anything that they've touched upon before. The story takes place in 190 AD during the Han Empire in, the, in, in China. So this is a general period of unrest in Chinese history. Uh, the Han Dynasty uh, was about four, a little over 400 years old at this time. And this is towards, well, right at the end of the Han Dynasty. So, and I'm going to butcher a ton of names during this review. So I apologize. I really, can't wait. I really can't wait because it's your turn to butcher a bunch of stuff and I'm not going to be the one doing it. I can't wait. 
because I am not familiar with uh, Chinese pronunciation. So I, I see it written out and I'm, I'm doing my best here. So bear with me. Uh, Dong Xiu, and I'm pretty sure I butchered that. Um, he's acting as the regent for the eight-year-old emperor Xi'an and the rest of China isn't, doesn't like that. So Dong Xiu is, um, he's kind of a creep. He's kind of a, a, a not good guy. He's, basically using his regency over the emperor to rule China. And so there's a coalition of other warlords in China that um, come together to try and overthrow him and basically the, the, the emperor as a whole. This game is heavily inspired by both the Romance of the Three Kingdoms and the Records of the Three Kingdoms book. Um, if uh, anybody is familiar with Romance and, and uh Records of the Three Kingdoms. The romance is more of a fictionalized telling of the Han Dynasty um, and this period of the of the Three Kingdoms, whereas the records is is more of a historical accurate uh, retelling. So most I didn't of even the, know they existed. Yeah. So most of the games, um, there was a third person kind of battle game called Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Uh, they had a whole series on it. Uh, that that's based more on the uh, romance book because you know your 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 characters have these you know outrageously strong special abilities, um, but the the characters that they were based off of were actual characters in history. But in this game, you play as one of the plethora of warlords in China that are trying to basically consolidate their power and become the new uh, empire in China, which as the the title tells it china was eventually split up into three kingdoms um so spoiler alert um how could you spoil us the game just came out i know i know it's it's a week old and i just spoiled it so you you play as one of these warlords there's some major warlords like uh i'm playing as as cow cow right now um, he, he's one of the major figures in the, in the story, but there's also some minor warlords that you can play as as well. Um, and then you can, I guess, shape history to, to change it to whatever you want it to be during the, during gameplay, during the campaign. I'm really glad you like this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this, this just doesn't sound like I get, I get the draw to it, I guess. Just not, just not for me. It just seems way, this seems dry. The story seems dry. The, the The story is actually kind of compelling. I mean, it's if you're into kind of historical intrigue and and understanding how uh, you know history played out during times of conflict, this is a it's it's actually a really compelling story. I don't know a lot about the the Three Kingdoms era. I've read you know some excerpts as, in terms of. Uh, during the because this is heavily in in the in the period of the Roman Empire as well, and so um, I've I've read deeply into the Roman Empire history, and and some of this kind of crosses over during that time. But um, I, I'm not super familiar with the with the Han Dynasty. This seems like a game that somebody who would say the sentence I've read deeply into the Roman Empire would like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that that's accurate. So I, I watched a bunch of this. Uh, I shouldn't say a bunch. I watched a fair amount of this uh, on YouTube so that I would have some idea what I was talking about when you were talking about it. Uh, and I was 
really impressed with the art style. The aesthetic of this game is really something. Yeah. Uh, I, I love like the watercolory, like the black and white watercolory with splashes of red. Mm-hmm. That seems very yeah, so of the time and location culturally and really well done. Yeah, the 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 art aesthetic in this game uh remind is is reminiscent of of Chinese paintings during the time. Um a lot of watercolor, a lot of uh, broad brush strokes, um, primary colors on top of, of uh, blacks and grays. So it's 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 very it's very beautiful. the The game uh, looks incredible. So the overview map uh, looks really nice. You can you can zoom in and out. Uh, there's a lot of of terrain detail in terms of China. You also got the the Yellow River that runs through. Uh, you can see the Great Wall. So a, a lot of historic and, and topographical Chinese uh, landmarks. The, um, the battles, uh, the graphics on the battles look, look pretty good. Of course, this is where, you know, Total War, the Total War sh- series really shines. And uh, you can have a ton of troops on the battlefield. Everything still runs smoothly um, and still looks great in, in high detail. So it looks yeah, really I, good. Yeah, although I... I would say that from what I saw, it looks great in the battles, especially for the number of units you've got occupying the screen, which is, you know, that's a lot of memory to be using. It's a lot of horsepower to be asking. You know, some of these battles are gigantic. But I did notice that when people zoomed in, it didn't look great. There was some, like, animations that were a little hitchy when you got in close, uh... I noticed like at one point the guy had uh, a bunch of cavalry running through pretty large group of guys and the horse animations seemed to kind of stop almost like oh really uh, they just kind of slid through the guys once they got in there uh, I don't know if that was a, a product of the power of his machine or if the game just had a hard time with that much happening all at once but considering the number of units especially I was pretty impressed with how how the battles looked yeah, I haven't come across any animation glitches like that or stutters like that. But uh, one of the things that I, I have noticed, and this has kind of been a problem with some of the other Total War series games, is the animations whenever you zoom in don't they don't match up to the battle that's happening. Um, this happens quite a bit with uh, general duels, although there there are some sometimes where the general duels look pretty good. Uh, a lot of times they're just they're just moving through their animations and the animations don't really match with what they're doing. So um, another thing is whenever you have your unit squads kind of fighting one another, there's still a lot of just, you know, kind of pushing and shoving back and forth. There's not a whole lot of animation battles. Um, so some of the cinematic aspects kind of uh, kind of lose their their shine uh, whenever you whenever you zoom in. Now, zoomed out, everything looks pretty good. Uh, of course, yeah, zoomed out, everything is just a kind of a cluster mass of people that are are fighting each each other. So, but yeah, now in in like the Total War Warhammer games, the animations I thought matched up a lot better. Uh, the cinematic aspects looked a lot better. Um, there wasn't as much, you know, mass shoving that you actually had some some pretty good fights even among your your uh, units so i think they kind of dropped the ball a little bit on on that 
and this is a newer game than than both the Warhammer games. So the voice acting is actually really good on this. Your your main characters are are voiced really well. Now there are a couple of the main characters that are a little outrageously over the top with with some of their expressions. Um, yeah, I noticed that a little bit. But for the most part, the voice voice acting is really good. Uh, some of your minor characters, eh, the voice acting is just okay. Uh, it, it's passable. It doesn't really doesn't really degrade from the game or take away from the game. But it's it's not gonna win any awards. Um, I actually was pretty impressed with it from what I saw uh, in videos. You, typically in this, and I haven't played a ton of these Total War games, so they're just not really my jam. But uh, typically in these like kind of strategy games, a lot of the voice acting and story stuff is feels like a afterthought, and it seemed pretty solid in this. Like I was, I was impressed with the quality of that stuff. The the more recent Total War games have had better voice acting. Some of the earlier Total War games, yeah, the, the voice acting sucked. But uh, these more recent Total War games, they've actually done a really good job of, of finding voice actors. And the scripts are pretty good, too. So the, the, the writing is better. The voice acting is better. The campaign stories are better. Uh, they're, they're really upping their game in, in terms of storytelling where they used to just focus on the strategy and, and tactics before. The music. Uh, the music is really good in this game. Um, it's, uh, it's period appropriate from what I understand. Um, it, it's beautiful. Um, it really sticks with you. I, I found myself kind of humming it after I played the game doing other things. Uh, it, it sets the mood and the tone of the game. Um, I, I really enjoyed the music. In fact, I'd, I I kind of want to find the soundtrack and, and add that to my collection because it's it's great background music. There's a couple of the songs up on uh, on YouTube. I think on, I believe on an official channel. Uh, I dug around a little bit to, to listen myself, so they're out there. You can listen to them. I was I was. They're definitely they definitely seem authentic or like period correct. In like the style, at least, um, I thought they were good. I liked them. I could definitely see if you were sitting down playing this game for like ten hours and they were going that the music was just rocking out the whole time you were playing. How it would definitely be a de- definitely stick with you. Right. I could definitely see it. Yeah, I, yeah. And I normally turn the music down to about thirty to forty percent on every game, but I didn't. I didn't turn it down on this one because it's not just overpowering. It's it's subtle enough that it's in the background, but you you still hear it, um, and it still adds to the game. So I was I was really impressed with the with the musical score. So you've got about nine pages, size nine, single spaced here of mechanics. That's because uh. there's a ton of mechanics to this game. <laughs> this game is I mean there's tons to manage. It's it's, it's very deep. The strategy is deep. Uh, the tactical battling is pretty deep for a total war game although not as deep as some um somebody please go back through this episode and we're all done and count how many times jason says deep deep yeah (laughs) i'm sure it's going to be a lot don't make it into a drinking game people die sounds like fun to me (laughs) no army management is good um you basically can have up to three three generals per army and these generals are uh, people that you recruit or people that you start with, including your faction leader. Your faction leader can be a general. 
Um, family members are typically generals, so nobles and, and other generals that you recruit. Now, each general can have up to six units in their retinue, and the generals only have access to a certain subset of all the troops available to their kingdom. And you- so this, so you pick, uh, so do you pick like a general for like each, say like division of your army that's from along that line? So you have an army and each army can have, it's not really divisions. Um, each army. Yeah. So your, your general has six units that they can be assigned to. Um, and each general has a, a tactical specialty. So um, you've got strategy generals, you've got melee generals, you've got range generals. Um, there's there's five different types of generals that you can get, four or five. And uh, and and some generals are more associated with administration, so they're not great in battle. Um, you can take them into battle and they'll do fine, but they're they're better suited to uh, being administrators in your court. Now, your generals interact with one another. I mean, not not forward in the game, but in the background, they interact with one another. And this is another word that I'm going to butcher. So uh, get your get your emails ready. Uh, the game is introducing a, a, a mechanic called uh, Guanji, and that's that's basically how your generals relate and like to like one another. So you can have three generals in your army, but you want to make sure that those generals like each other. They have the same beliefs and philosophies. Otherwise, they start causing friction, which um, diminishes their ability to lead. Uh, it can also call cause dissent. And if they decide if if they lose enough happiness with uh, with your leadership they can basically rebel against you. And that just, that opens up a whole new can of worms that you have to deal with. So you, you want to keep your, your nobles and your generals happy and you don't want to put them with people that are going to make them unhappy. So you're babysitting a lot of nobles and generals, which is a new mechanic that you really never had to, uh, had to deal with in a total war game. So you have city management, which is basically how you control your economy and your defenses. Um, there's five different types of buildings that you can build in your city and you can, and the, the city will range from, uh, and this depends on how many provinces you have in your region. Um, you can have, I think up to six or eight different buildings in, in your region. Um, I think five or six of those are in your main city and then another two building in other provinces that are like farming provinces or livestock provinces, things like that. This game sounds really dense. It is really, really dense. There's a lot of moving parts to it. Um, so if you're, if you're a strategy buff, this, this definitely speaks to you. If you if you don't like strategy and, um, and spreadsheets. I mean, you almost the more need you talk, a spreadsheet. The less I want to play this. You just said spreadsheets, and I decided I'm never going to touch this game <laughs> ever. It's not that bad. If I really. wanted spreadsheets, I'd use Excel. I don't want to pay. I don't want to play a game. It's it's really not that bad. And there's not actual spreadsheets in this game, but um, you could definitely utilize a spreadsheet to figure out the optimal path for your for your kingdom. Um, but yeah, there's, there's different types of buildings that you can add. They, they, they give you different bonuses to your economy. 
and order because you've also got order in your in your kingdom. So if your people get too angry at you, they'll rebel as well. And that's just a whole can of worms that you want to avoid. Uh, the buildings have trees that have different advantages to your income, food, military order, things like that. Um, and this is all managed through an overview map, which is where you control your territory. Uh, there's These are broken into regions, which have you know two to three different provinces per region. Your court is where you assign nobles to administrative tasks. Nobles and generals. Generals can be assigned to administrative tasks as well. Um, that's where you do all of your, your tasks and bonuses. You also have to manage your court. You don't want to put people on similar administrative tasks or, or under your administration who don't get along as well, because again, that causes dissent. You don't want that. Diplomacy. Diplomacy is pretty much, (laughs) (laughs) there's tons to this game. I'm telling you. Diplomacy is pretty much the same as as in the other Total War games. Uh, although there's there's now a numeric indicator that uh, lets you know what options that that you pick uh, versus the person that you're uh, having the diplomacy uh, with if they're gonna if they're gonna accept your proposal or not. So your proposal has a numeric weight. You can match that. Uh, your offering with their offering to equal everything out. And that that basically determines if they're going to accept your proposal or not. There are a few factions that have additional diplomacy options, such as Cow Cow. He can cause uh, proxy wars between other nations. So if uh, if a nation is is attacking you and you don't want to deal with it right then, then you can have another nation attack that nation, and that kind of divides their... Um, their attention and take some pressure off of you. So that's actually kind of a cool mechanic. One of the cool things is is the upgrade tree and you upgrade, you get a new technology upgrade every five turns. The upgrade tree is actually a a picture of a tree. And whenever you pick a technology, it blossoms. Yes. This this looks really cool. This this is visually very cool. it, It is. It's, it's very beautiful. So there's there's different five different types of upgrades ranging from military to e- economic to agriculture, um, and, and and et cetera. They all give you uh, various different buildings and and bonuses. Uh, some of them give you additional troop types that you can pick. Um, so that's that's where you basically move up your technology. Battles are pretty much the standard total warfare. There's not that much that's new, um, except the generals, and, and this is just the impression that I've gotten from playing for the past week or so, generals seem less important in battles than they were before. So in previous Total War games, you had to protect your general because if your general died or if your general routed, then, I mean, that that could turn the tide of battle against you and and definitely caused a morale shock. Generals in this game, you can your your general can rout or die, and your troops just don't seem like they care. In fact, it's it's kind of thrown a wrench into some strategies where you focus on getting rid of their generals because you have uh, you don't have an army that has the numbers or strength to take on another army, but you have to fight the battle anyway. So one of the things that you could do was 
focus on their generals and, and kind of even the odds. But uh, that's that pretty much throws this strategy out. They did introduce a new dueling concept, and that's kind of cool, except generals don't matter, so the duel really doesn't matter in the battle. Now, duels matter a little bit in terms of respect on the general overall gameplay. Um, so if you have you know a couple generals that have fought several duels and, and won, uh, that kind of earns you some additional respect. But in battle, it's really pointless. Overall, um, it's it's a it's a really good addition to the Total War series. They've they've introduced some new mechanics, um, some new fun mechanics. I think they've uh, think they've uh, kind of, and I hope that this is something that they fix. That this is something that they didn't intend to do. But the 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 generals in terms of battle um, kind of kind of set this back. So. I've also is that one of the things you the problems you mentioned earlier that that was kind of pulling it back for you? Yeah, so there's a couple problems that I've I've come across several random crashes. Um, I mean, it just there there's no error. It just you know dumps me out to my desktop. So uh, that's happened several times. Hope they get, they get a patch done for that. The loss of generals that don't seem to affect battles has kind of thrown this uh, down on my rating. Some of the battles, they're just not winnable. Uh, it doesn't matter if you've got superior numbers. It doesn't matter what tactics you bring to bear. Uh, you could have superior technology. Uh, you can, I mean, just totally outnumber them two or three to one. And I've done this on several occasions. And for some reason, you just cannot win that battle. Your guys, uh, your troops, just they don't... They don't do the damage that they should be doing, and they route so easily. And that's with the other team, and, and this this happened in one of my battles. I took out all three of their generals. All three of my generals were fine. All of my troops were at least at half, uh, half uh, strength or higher, and they were routing still. And so it, it didn't make any sense what was happening in that battle. And that's happened to me a couple of different times on a couple of different battles that I had overwhelming numbers on. And some battles I've had, you know, inferior numbers and I've through, you know, hit and run tactics with cavalry and, and other, uh, other strategies I've been able to, to eke out a win, but yeah, some battles are just unwinnable, which is outrageous. I think that's something that maybe is, is them trying to gate something based on where you are in the story or is it just seem broken? I don't think it's gating. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's super frustrating. I haven't noticed anything after those battles that, that seemed to be part campaign related, but yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, and sometimes the information in the game is hard to find. So you've got a lot to manage. Um, and so you really, you really have to keep an eye on statuses, um, and, and numbers. Sometimes finding those statuses and numbers is hard to find. The UI is better than some other Total War games, but at a cost of, of finding information easily. So, um, that knocks it down a little bit for me. This game sounds like Dynasty Warriors for the kid who reminded the teacher that they didn't assign any homework. <laughs> That's, 
And Dynasty Warriors was one of the games that I was talking about earlier. Oh, man. All right. So let's rate it. What do you think? Um, Where does this thing fall for you? It's a great game. Uh, great entrance into the Total War series. It's got some flaws that I hope they fix. Um, so right now, with all that said, I'm giving it a seven and a half. So it's exactly one What was it, one point better than uh, Rage 2? No, no, no. I gave Rage it a, same? Yeah, six and a half. So yeah, one point, one point better. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, the, the, the unwinnable battles really knocked it for me. Uh, the, the yeah, loss, that would piss me off. The loss I'd of generals affecting battles really knocked it down for me. Because, I mean, Total War, the battles are, are a major part of Total War. And so that that was a valid strategy, was, was, general, was focusing on generals. And that, that totally eliminates that, that strategy, which... I don't like. Well, hopefully they address that stuff. Maybe if uh, if you plan on sticking with this, if they do, we can we can bring it up if and when it happens. Uh, it's unfortunate that, especially the the random crashes. That's something that I never like to see. You know, especially in a game like this that, or any game really, but a game like this where you have like a big complicated battle thing going on, uh, having crashes is really unfortunate uh but i i i feel like i'm probably pretty confident that they would patch that um i don't like to me the the sound of the generals not seeming to affect battles that feels broken that doesn't feel like a a good decision or one that they would make on purpose right because that even that even makes a difference that makes a difference in like every game that has a general system right yeah and I haven't so, I haven't checked the forums to uh, to see if if that's a known issue or if that's that's part of the game if that was something they intended. Um, I haven't looked into that any further. I'll probably do that sometime this week just to just to verify. And yeah, if if they make improvements, if if some of this is is just bugs that they're they're you know trying to fix or or they patch, then yeah, I'll come back with a new rating. Well, you all heard it here first. If you really like spreadsheets, this is the game for you. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> anything else, Jason? Nope. That's it for me. All right. Everybody take care. Uh, check out Sadis. Check out Film Appraisers. There's a new uh, Simply Stogies. Check that out. Go over to eargluemedia.com slash discord. CantinaCast is always putting out new content, and it's always good. Uh, you know where to find us. And if you have anything really angry to say about Jason's pronunciations or anything really at all, make sure you email Crowley at badgamerspodcast at gmail.com. He loves to read it, and uh, he's really deserving of your ire. So and That's pretty much where I got all my pronunciations from, so it's all his fault. It is always his fault. We will see you guys next week. Take care. Bad Gamers Anonymous is not affiliated with any video game developer or publisher. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the host and not of Earglue Media. And are probably terrible. Executive producer for Bad Gamers Anonymous is James Dean. Get good, scrubs.